Alrighty, well today we're going to take a look at the remainder of chapter 12 uh, of Romans, verses 9 through 21, just to kind of recap uh, and take a look at where we've been and where we are going. Uh, the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans uh, deal with the righteousness from God, essentially uh, what God has given us. Chapters 12 to 16 that was started last week uh, talk about righteousness in practice. In other words, we're going to take a look at the transforming power of the gospel and the focus shifts from exhortation to indicative, or from, I'm sorry, from instruction to exhortation, from indicative to imperative, essentially from what is uh, to what should or must be. It deals uh, with what we are to give God. Uh, what we are to give God uh, is not going to happen without God's continuing provision of grace and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jonathan Mingledorf, in his normal exemplary style, uh, started us off on chapter 12 uh, last week, uh, did the heavy lifting on this chapter, quite honestly. Uh, if you remember, uh, the first nine, the first eight verses, rather, talk about things like present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Uh, you must not think of yourself more highly than you ought having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So that indeed was uh, uh, the meat, I think, in my opinion, uh, of this chapter. Do you remember the trailer park uh, example they used from Paul David Tripp? Think about the gifts that God has given you. How are they meant to serve other members of the body as they seek to honor Christ? When we don't think about our gifts in this corporate way, the very gifts that are given to bless the community are used to divide it. So from there we go into a series uh, of exhortations, chapters, or verses rather, 9 through 21, uh, talk essentially about behaving uh, like a Christian. It's a comprehensive uh, and mandatory, as in God's word, list of traits that characterize the spirit-filled life. As one commentator uh, put it, uh, when we look at these exhortations, uh, we need to display our redeemed character. And as we go through this, we'll look at uh, four categories. Uh, we'll look at personal duties. We'll look at family duties. We'll look at duties to others and duties to those who consider us enemies. Um, and sadly, uh, I would also say duties to those that we might consider uh, enemies. So let us begin by reading the text. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. 
Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Any questions? Pretty unambiguous, wouldn't you say? All right, I think my work here is done. Now, if, if we were ever under the uh, assumption or misconception uh, that we have nothing to do with our sanctification, I think this pretty much puts it to rest. Remember, justification, adoption, those are acts of God's free spirit, but sanctification is a progressive work uh, of God's free spirit, and this lists all of the things that we are obligated to attempt uh, on our way to being glorified. Uh, oh, for the Greek geeks amongst us, uh, I'd like you to know there are two chiasms uh, in this section of scripture. The first time, I think it might have been David Prussia, the first time he came up here and said, you know, oh, there is a chiastic structure in this scripture. And I thought, oh, good, it is going to so help me to understand what God is trying to say. So in, from, in, in verses 9b through 13 of this passage, there is a 23232 two, two, chiastic structure. And in verses 17b through 21, it's just a simple chiasm. So I'll let you figure those out. Uh, yet another, I mean, remember, all scripture is God breathed. So as he's more or less uh, dictating to the author, to Paul in this case, one of the questions, I have many questions when I get to heaven. You know, another one, what's with the chiasms? Yeah. Uh, I'm not quite sure, you know, maybe, maybe some of you Greek aficionados can explain to me how that helps or what the benefit of that is, but I just wanted to point that out to you. Alrighty, so I guess there probably is uh, a few, there are a few things that we could take a look at these verses and kind of flesh them out a little bit. So let's start with the personal and family duties. Uh, let love be genuine. Uh, literally, uh, that means unhypocritical. So love, again, is an, you know, love is an action, not a feeling. Uh, so as we seek to love uh, one another, I guess the Greek derivation here essentially means uh, unhypocritical. So the, this is the supreme New Testament value, the supreme command, which focuses entirely uh, on the welfare and needs of the one loved. Uh, we could go to Matthew 22, 36 through 39. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength, if you're reading Mark's account. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor uh, as yourself. So if indeed we do that, would that not indeed be unhypocritical? Yes, Pastor David.
indeed. Indeed. Well said. In fact, I, I, I combined the personal and family duties because as I was going through the list and it said it includes personal duties, verse 9 was it. The only thing that we are obligated to ourselves is let your love be genuine. So, well said, well put. I would agree. Anybody want to disagree with the pastor? <laughs> All right. Um, verse 10 love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, uh, showing respect, uh, recognizing their social value. Um, they may be lesser in a worldly stature. They are no less of a concern uh, to God. Uh, be devoted to other Christians with a family sort of love. By this, the world will recognize us as followers of Christ as in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Yes. Feel free to break in any time, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Jump in. Yes, John. I pray constantly. I, I, you know, a lot of times I try to love somebody, but I'm doing it with head knowledge because I know it's an action. I know I can do this, but the question is, you know, am I really doing it with a heart? Not usually. Yeah, you know, I said I have a hard time keeping up with my wife's heart, and every time we stop at a stop sign, 
and she wants to hand another five or ten dollar bill through the window I'm saying okay I'm loving my neighbor uh, but am I doing it with my heart uh, it depends on what their sign says often A good illustration. Many of us may or may not have family members that really do test uh, this admonition to let your love be genuine. And, you know, I think I probably have a few family members out there that I love them because it's an action and that's because I'm obligated to. And so if we would impute that to almost everybody we walk by on the street, we might do better indeed. All right, thank you. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Anything a Christian is called to do is valuable enough to be done with enthusiasm and care. Sloth and indifference will allow evil to prosper. We can take a look at Ephesians, uh, the fifth chapter, and a verse from the 18th chapter of Proverbs, from Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And Proverbs 18 says, whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. So, essentially do everything as unto the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. would that we could all, all the time. The hope of Christ's return and our ultimate glorification. That's the hope that they're talking about. So rejoice in the hope of Christ's return and our ultimate glorification. Therefore, be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Absolutely. Indeed. Indeed. Well said. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Um, again, according to my reading in the commentaries, the hospitality, the, the actual uh, derivation of that means literally pursuing the love of strangers. Um, it's nice, it's fun to show hospitality to friends. Uh, you know, many people I know gather for meals and gatherings after church between the services on Sunday. Um, 
but again, pursuing the love of strangers. How much harder is that sometimes to welcome an absolute, you know, back, back in the days of when this was written, there were very few inns and places to reside, and so people traveling back and forth would frequently just stay uh, with people who invited them into their homes. Uh, and so it said, welcome strangers and travelers, especially fellow believers. I, I, I don't know about you, I, you know, speaking personally for myself, I can't honestly say that it's particularly my first inclination to ask people that I meet who are strangers if they're a believer. Um, that would probably be a good first step, but regardless, we should seek to be kind and welcoming to them. Yes? should remember that as we're about to kick off a building campaign maybe bless those now we're moving into duties to others bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse them treat enemies as if they were your friends um, how do you define an enemy uh, I mean, that, that's for each of us, I think, to, to ask ourselves. Um, but for those who have wronged you, you know, I, would, I would hope that because you're here this morning that, that you actually have very few what you could call true enemies. Uh, but we all have people who have wronged us and whom therefore we might resent. Uh, for a season, uh, but is, we are obligated to look past that and for the glory of God to treat them uh, as we would want to have been treated, as it were. I don't know. Comments? Well, our comments are your comments. 
Sure. Yes, Gina. Exhausting indeed. Hmm. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Uh, this is the proof verse for today's catechism question regarding the Tenth Commandment. Um, be, be glad in the blessings of others, no matter your own situation. Be sensitive and compassionate to the hardships uh, of others. Some people may, you know, find it, may, may react differently. 
Um, I more often find it much less difficult to be sensitive and compassionate to others' hardships uh, than I do to be glad in their blessings and welfare. Uh, you know, sin sinful nature. Um, no excuse for it. I just, you know, glass half empty, glass half full, however you want to look at it. Uh, that, that's my personal uh, take on it. Um, I suppose it may uh, depend on how you view your present circumstances. You know, are you truly content? You know, there's nothing to have, there's nothing wrong with having aspirations and ambition. Um, but are you basically content in what the Lord has given to you at this particular point uh, in your life? The more so that you are, uh, the more so I think that it enables us to truly yeah, rejoice when somebody drives up in a new car and you can say, wow, that's great, I'm really happy for you. You know, as you're thinking about yours with the wheels ready to fall off of it and you wish you could do the same, but pretty straightforward, I think. Yes? Sure. Right. I think all of us have made bad decisions at one point or another. Some of them, you know, some of them take more of an emotional toll than a financial toll. Um, you know, it's easy to see financial tolls even when you're looking at other people. It's very difficult to see the emotional toll the decisions have taken. So, you know, if somebody confides in you, uh, you know, depending on who it is and what they're confiding to you about, um, it can make you very uncomfortable. It's like, why are you telling me this, you know? Uh, maybe just because they need somebody to listen. Uh, you know, I'm a fixer. I find it hard just to listen because I usually have an answer or a remedy or, and that's not what I'm called to do. I'm just called to weep with them. So it's hard to remember that sometimes. All righty. Uh, <clears throat> live, uh, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty but associate with the lowly, never be wise in your own sight. Uh, and I think as I was reading the commentaries, wise uh, essentially meant in a context, uh, never assume that you've kind of got God's word down pat, that you understand what he's uh, trying to say. Uh, so be careful of self-seeking pride and do not be conceited or feel superior to others. Um, yes.
Indeed, they do, I think. <laughs> Sometimes we are those people, that's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, there's been many days I've been hard to love, I'm sure. All righty. Let's uh, look at the duties to those who consider us enemies. Uh, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. So, in other words, no eye for an eye. Th that eye for an eye comes from the 21st chapter of Exodus. And remember, it was right after the, God had given Moses the Ten Commandments, and now he's listing out another series of, how, uh, of things of, regarding how people should behave. Uh, and this in particular is when he was talking about large groups like slave owners and, and slaves. And it was not in, this, this was never intended to be applied to an individual. It was, it was in, in the context that uh, God was talking to Moses, and it was intended to maintain order among collective groups. Uh, so, you know, uh, in other words, don't take justice upon yourself, but uh, a lot, this has been used many times uh, for a, a uh, justification for capital punishment, you know, uh, but it's not yours in my place to take retribution. It's, you know, court of law and in the context try to, to try to maintain order if somebody kills somebody. Uh, following the right procedure, this has been used as justification to say yes, it is appropriate uh, to put them to death. So, uh, respect what is proper and honest. Behave in an upright manner, especially around non-believers. We are always a witness uh, to God uh, in our life. So, that's uh, an obligation and a responsibility we carry daily, if possible. So far as it depends on you live peaceably with all again has been used as a justification uh, for waging of war um, yeah you know pacifists will use this as a justification for basically becoming a doormat uh, i guess it could work either way but as so far as it be hooves you uh, live peaceably with all but don't think that you have to at all times not retaliate be, peace, be at peace with others, but realize that this also depends on others' attitudes and responses. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Deuteronomy, again, 32, the manner and timing of repayment 
for our wickedness, and we are all wicked, totally depraved. That's God's prerogative, not ours to take into our own hands. 20, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his heads, on his head. This is uh, quoting Proverbs 25, uh, 21 and 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. And it's thought, there's several different interpretations, but it's thought that it comes from an ancient Egyptian custom uh, where people uh, who had transgressed somebody were asked to carry these burning coals uh, in a pot upon their head to show their shame and guilt. Uh, if we do, in fact, respond lovingly to somebody that has wronged us, if they have any conscience at all, if, if there's any indwelling of anything within them, uh, that should give them cause to pause. That should cause them some remorse, should it not? Um, Tard, no doubt. It's easier to lash out uh, in like manner, uh, but not what we're called to do. And the last uh, of the verses, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, really a synopsis verse, I think, for this entire uh, list of exhortations. Uh, if we're faithful to this list uh, of exhortations, uh, not uh, the mooster, uh, who you've heard me mention before, Douglas Moo, who's a commentator on Romans, uh, not only have we not allowed it, it being evil, uh, to corrupt our moral integrity, we have displayed the character of Christ before a watching and skeptical world. So when all is said and done, if we do not let evil take its hold on us, fight against it constantly, uh, we most certainly should do a better job of being uh, a mirror of Christ's love for all uh, to those around us, particularly those that do not know him. So for reflection, you can feel free to chime in on these or in fact you can consider them in your heart. How do we translate these general instructions into specific concrete actions? I, I guess uh, I, I, I'd rather take the first two together. How do we translate them into specific actions? I grip my teeth, I take the dollar bill from my wife and I hand it to the guy at my window. That's trans that's translating it into action. But how do we translate let love be genuine into these more specific instructions? How do I get to the point where it's my heart saying, oh, great, another opportunity uh, to be a witness to Christ's love for all of us? Right. Yeah. 
What? Absolutely. Yep. Now, progressive sanctification. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to dwell on the money thing. I mean, it's just a, it's just one of the obvious examples we all run into these days. And and uh, yeah, sure, we know what they may we, we we know what they may use the money for. We know what they you know in our mind may probably use the money for. Uh, not our call, you know. And 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 again, you know, uh, as you hand the bill out the window, you know, if you ask what their name is and you tell them you're going to pray for them and you tell them to have a blessed day. You know, that goes, hopefully, goes a lot further than just handing them a, a, a bill out the window. Jonathan? Thanks, John. Right, we're coming up on time here. So real quickly, uh, who or what makes accepting these instructions possible? Will we be more or less successful trying to follow these instructions under our own power or as a demonstration of the grace that is in Christ Jesus? I think that's a pretty obvious answer. 
Uh, don't be discouraged. If you remember when Roland Barnes was here, uh, while well, David and Travis were off at a retreat a couple of weeks ago, uh, he reminded us that growth in grace uh, is incremental uh, in nature. So may we continue to try. Any final comments? All right, let me pray.